This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right, from plans range from $5 to 20 bucks a month, you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello everyone and welcome to a very special 30th edition of the SWW show. It's me, AJ. I've got Mike along with me. Uh, Mike, Mike, did you expect this show to make 30 episodes? (sighs) Wait, are you cracked? Holy shit. Jesus Christ, that is... That's a lot, AJ. Uh, this is we're gonna have to tie after this. What do you say? We end on top. I like it. And I say top, we. Right? The... I say we retire at sixty-five episodes. Why sixty-five? Because that's the average age of retirement in the U.S. <laughs> no, but you don't get social security benefits at full until sixty-seven. Right, but a lot of people figure that they can live off their four hundred one k for two years mm-hmm. until. And a lot of places are, um, I guess I don't know about the coast, but in the Midwest, a lot of places, if you retire, you get benefits for like a year afterwards. Uh, it depends. I don't know. Some companies do um, it. Some, I mean, there's a lot of major corporations that don't, they get rid of you. Yeah, because Medicare kicks in at 65, to be fair, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people retire at 65 because they figure their 401k can last them two years, and then... Maybe they get a nice little boost for retiring because they worked at a company forever and they'll be fine. Yeah. Genius. I'm glad we've thought this through. That's See, what if we another... do 71, though? We get maximum social... <laughs> That's still another what? Two and a half years? Yeah. That's way too long for me to... That's a... I don't think you understand retirement, but... We'll... So we see what we, we should do the semi-retirement things then, where you just convert it to every other month, and then at that point, then it's like, yo, well, I was like, what? We're retired. <laughs> We're only doing doing the show part time. No, um, <laughs> yeah, as you can tell by us kind of just bullshitting around, there's not a ton to talk about. Yeah, that's a good. This is better than last month. Well, that's true, but we're starting to get into mm-hmm. uh, stuff actually happening. So. Trying to think, yeah, it is. We're recording this. It is Sunday. Uh, there was snow. There was snow outside yesterday, but it was like fifty the day before. So I don't understand how weather works anymore. Yeah, it's raining today. So all of our snow will probably gone this week. Yeah, I have, I have very little left. Whatever. I think we got whatever. I don't think it's warmed up a bit, so it might be gone now. Yeah. What is about to be spring? Yeah, that's true. But normally, I mean, in the Midwest, you didn't have you have snow until mid March, and then yeah, maybe some on some years it bleeds in April, but like not a ton. Yeah, you get like those April days though that you want to kill yourself because it's like twenty out, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah, and then you get those other April days where it's like in the seventies, and you're like, what is going on? 
Or you get the February days where the sun's out and it feels amazing, but then you go into the shade and realize <laughs> the air temp's like 28. And <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. A as, as we're talking about the warm-up time, right? So my new house, I, I have water access to three different lakes. The question becomes, if I buy one of these three, which do I buy? A kayak, a canoe, or a jet ski? Don't buy a canoe. Okay, why? Because that's pretty much a two-person thing. I was leaning towards a kayak. And then the question was, do I get a one-person or a two-person kayak? So I think a two-person kayak, a one-person could still use, just harder. Yeah, you can. It's a bitch to handle, but yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that or the jet ski. Jet ski just feels the hardest, because then I have to get, like, a trailer, where a kayak canoe I could just strap to the top of my car. Yeah. I mean, like, the problem with a jet ski also is then you have insurance and registration. And, and gas, and yeah. Yeah. Well, they're well, you, a... they're pretty good on gas, so yeah. But then I have to either get a gas can because I don't want to stop in the water because it's always more expensive to get gas on the water. Yeah, you just pull through your local gas station, and I guess yeah, but because at that point I have a trailer. I I don't know if my car my car to Corolla, so obviously can't tow a boat, but I think it might be able to tow a trailer with a jet ski because it's not a ton of weight. It should be able. To. Yeah, like so. Also, we're talking about towing something like four miles. Yeah. We're talking about towing something across a city. Yeah, and I yeah, mean, any, any gas station that's near the water will have usually ethanol-free gas. Yeah, and that's, I think, what it is. So, the jet ski is also the most expensive of the bunch, obviously. Yeah. Where a kayak, I don't think, was that expensive. I would spend money on a kayak. Yeah. Like, not just cheap out on one. But like, but you know, like an expensive kayak that's like reasonable expensive. Like it's not gonna be ten thousand dollars to buy a kayak. <laughs> no, but if you're, I mean, figure out spending like fifteen hundred to two grand on a kayak. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because I close on the house at the end of May, so then I have the entire summer in the house. Yeah. So I, I was trying to think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Because, uh, yeah, closing, and I, except I have still three months to close this house. So it's one of those things that, like, this is obviously will be the most stressful of my moves, but I'm not stressed because how much time I have to plan this move. That's the worst part for me. I just love it when it's... <laughs> when it's a manageable time frame of, like, two or three weeks, then you're like, okay. No, especially because, like, there's stuff, like, I want to get more stuff done. Like, the only thing I can do right now, reasonably, is there's stuff like a couch or a custom desk. I wonder which will take, like, eight weeks to get here. Um, so, like, those things I could do, but, like, most of the things, I just, it's a wait-and-sit game. Yeah. That's the annoying part for me, is the, like, if I have three months for something, then it's just like, okay. Yeah. You know this project is on a standstill for like weeks at a time mm-hmm. and I'm not a huge fan of it. There's a lot of little, also like what I've just been doing is each couple days I would like knock one thing off that checklist. So like, I think this week I'm going to try to start shopping on for home insurance. Who's your car insurance there? Uh, Geico. So I might just do home insurance though. Yeah. It's normally if you bundle, you... it's like 10 or 15% off each. Yeah, which, which ends up being a good chunk of change. 
Yeah, I mean, if you figure it's even if it's ten percent off both of them, you know, that's a we're talking about that being a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, which is interesting because legitimately, my auto insurance is going to be more than my home insurance, which is wild. Well, because you're not twenty five yet, right? Correct. I turned twenty five this year. Yeah, so that's when it goes down. It does, but just funny. Like even when it goes down, though, that numbers are probably about the same. They still have full coverage on the car. Yeah. Well, and I mean, your house insurance will go down eventually too. So, uh, yes, uh, it'll be a bit though. Um, also, yes and no, because I bet the house will only go up in value. Well, so the house goes up in value, but the longer you go without a claim, mm-hmm. the more likely it is to go down. It won't go down mm-hmm. by a lot, but it'll go down. Mm-hmm. Oh. And money is money. Yep. Okay. Well, this this is good house talk. I bet you will continue this. But let's just start into the big stuff. Uh, nothing. There's a COVID pandemic happening currently. So what have you played? Uh, AJ, what is Jalopy? Uh, Jalopy's been around for a while. Um, it's a... It's one of those, like... Uh, the right way to describe it it's it's kind of like um what was the name of that i can't think of it's so basically what you're doing is you're going across supposedly eastern europe and you're taking your uncle along in this piece of shit car and you're going through the different countries it's kind of like papers please in a way okay in some parts where like certain countries have things that are uh illegal and you can risk bringing them in and you know there's a there's a chance your car doesn't get checked and then you can make a shit ton of money and make improvements to the car or you get popped at the border and they charge you a fine so i when i say this the nicest way possible looking at i'm looking at the game like screenshots right now Mm mm-hmm it it's to me when a, when a video game is trying to feel like an indie film, is what this video game looks like to me. Uh, it very quickly kind of gets rid of that vibe. Okay, because the initial screenshots I'm seeing it very much reminds me of that kind of like like here's like that cheap stylized film look, which actually could work well in a game, but it's that's what vibe I'm feeling from it. Yeah, it gets rid of that pretty quick because it goes to more of like. It's just you driving down a road for the vast majority of the game. And kind of managing the car because, you know, everything's got wear and, you know, you need to repair stuff when it breaks and the battery can go flat and you can run out of gas and tires can pop and all this stuff. So, yeah, I've owned it for several years at this point and i kind of go back every well it's been like two or three years since i played it last but um i just redownloaded it i'm like okay you know i'll I'll finally finish it because i've never finished it Hmm. yeah it's it's all right i mean it's it's kind of if you like those management's not the right word because 
that side of the game is very light. But it's, you know, it's kind of... It's a great podcast game. Really? Yeah. Because there's not a lot going on. And so you can have stuff going in the background pretty easily. And not, you know, not lose story beats or lose, um, you know, where you're at or what you're doing. Because, yeah, it doesn't matter the same. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. How's, Would you uh, recommend it? How's Hades going? Uh, I have, so when we last, so when we talked, but in podcast we last talked, I got to Hades once. I have now beaten the game twice. So how it works is you need to get the ADZA projectile. Uh, yes. Then every time you have to make the game a little bit harder because you have like these things make it harder to get your bonuses again. What is cool about it though, which I didn't realize, I thought I was at the end of upgrades for the game, which would then sucks and it's just purely skill. Uh, they actually have a new tier of upgrades once you do that to at least give you. It's not giant bonuses, but it's a little more gold, little more health, and a little more gold continually, which at least makes it a little continually at least i have something to work towards as i'm working towards being the game which my concern in that kind of game which i think the original rogue legacy had the same problem would be is when you had to the end that skill tree if you didn't be in the game yet you just felt stuck because there was anything else you could do with this game at least because it's still feeding me more has not got to that point yet uh, and the the premise of this game right is that you are effectively like are you playing through the entire game right but the entire run of the game start to finish so the whole thing is it's four worlds yeah four worlds and then the and there's four bosses because then each world's a boss and the fourth one's hades that run i think when i beat the game i think it's 36 minutes or 30 minutes like a successful run that's not bad right so like obviously it's i don't always get to that I'm, I consistently get to Hades, it's a matter of if I can beat him, but like, in that run though, then I get enough stuff to either get the next upgrade at this point, or get really close to the next upgrade, so you know, it's every other run, I at least always have an upgrade, I've gotten some capacity of. Yeah, well, if it's 36 minutes, that's 360, so it's, what, uh, six-ish uh, hours? What? You said a successful run. run is about 36 minutes. Right. And you have to do that 10 times. So oh, like, I get you saying. Like a bare minimum is the game yes. is six hours. I bet you right now I have my bets 20 hours in the game, but you have to count for going from beating Hades the first time was way longer than getting to beating Hades the second time. Right. So I probably played five hours since I beat Hades the first time. So, like, you know, it's five, like, it's so that jump, I bet he's not going to get his card. Yeah. I I mean, I just, I don't like the the games that are like that, that are, oh, you're going through, you know, games that, I've always had a problem with games that do that, that it's like, oh, in order to beat the game, you have to do this Five so times, the thing I appreciate or... about Hades doing it, though, and I only funny part is they don't actually advertise that like when you're gonna beat a kind of thing. We just we just know that because we've heard people talk about that. Um, that's ten times the magic numbers. Like you know you have to do it again, but you don't know that amount. Um, is 
the story somewhat matters in this game, but like you're not playing this game for that story. So even if you beat Hades once, you at least feel satisfied that you beat the game. Yeah. Which I think which I think is an improvement from like it being like like no content from a gameplay point of view to me is locked out independent of the amount of times I beat that game. As long as I beat it once, I have access to all of that gameplay content. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, Which I think helps that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm... Uh, you know, it, it's weird to... It's kind of contradictory because I like the Metal Gear games that kind of force you to play stuff over again, especially 5. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's... It's weird because the uh, missions you can. There's such a you know, such a spectrum that you can approach Metal Gear missions to. You know you can go in, and do all. OSP or you can go in at, in five. Rolling with a tank and, you know, just level everything. Mm-hmm. And anything in between. And kind of, to me, like, that was that was kind of the draw, right? Like, I played through the main campaign as um, stealthily as I could, or tried to. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that these missions were popping up again, I was like, you know what, screw it. I want to try this with, you know, a tank and air support and missile launchers and grenades and, you know, zero stealth, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas, from the sounds of it, 80s is very much a... You're kind of restricted to... in that aspect of... the runs, but... Yeah. It's, It's a game that I've won't play but that's that's my i don't really like a lot of those games anyway so yeah well that game tends to be especially because i was when i've been traveling the last week or so like it's been a good like a oh on a plane or x time kind of game because it's again those short runs that like even i mess up a run and i have to leave halfway through and i just kill myself i at least got something from it but it doesn't really it still helps me get towards that progress goal but it doesn't like need the same amount of time yeah it's funny you mentioned that being on a plane. Like the switch is the perfect plane thing, especially because it suspends all the games. That's well, what makes it work. No, if your journey is under three hours, yes. But I at least was on a plane the other day that had a outlet in it. Was it a fast outlet? Probably not. It was fast enough that would keep a charge. Was it just holding charge, or was it actively charging? I think it might have been actively, just not quickly. Because I know the Switch will do a thing where, like, even if the outlet isn't powerful enough, it'll basically run off the outlet and, you know, save the battery. Because I plugged it in when it turned blinking red, and I still played another hour after that. So, like, in some... And when I I got back home, I don't think it was red anymore, so it had to have been some crassy actively charging. Yeah. I don't know. It's just no, I hate, that's I hate things that have such a complaint. short battery life. Like it's a valid complaint about the switch, but like to be fair, like where I live, 
there are very few spots in the country where I could go where my flight's more than a hair over three hours. Uh, Seattle's four. I don't think so, because I'm more west. Well, no, even Minneapolis. I think it was four hours. MSP to... It was three and a half, but... So to Miami was about four, I know that. Yeah. Uh, Three hours and 37 minutes to Seattle. Yeah, three and a half. Yes. Okay, so it bleeds three and a half. So I don't take it. So if I don't play during takeoff and landing, I'm good. Yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about. So when I have phone signal, just don't play the switch. Is what you're telling me. That's kind of akin. Again, not not. I mean, you have phone signal routine. all the way through if you're smart about it. <laughs> it's fair, but you know what I'm saying like I'm not discrediting that the complaint about the machine. I'm just saying, for me and where I live, it affects me a lot less. Yeah. I mean, the the problem that I have with the damn thing is it's like, it's, so it, I guess it's mildly convenient because my phone is USB-C, so I don't have to lug around a bunch of cords. Ooh, but then a battery might work for you, because I assume you have USB to USB-C. Huh? Do you have USB to USB-C cords? Yeah. Could you do like an external battery then? Yeah, you could. But that's my... Laptop or my phone usually plug into one of those. So. Mm-hmm. Do you have a problem my... with the buns? Because I know your hands are bigger than mine. Uh, yeah, I have serious problems with the switch controllers. Well, like I don't have the real problems with that one. Hades once in a while I, like slip off, but like I'm relatively fine. Because basically my I don't have my switch in here, but my thumb completely covers all of four of the buttons. Oh, wow. So I have missed hits all the time. Add on to the fact that Nintendo still uses the Japanese Mm -hmm. uh, button layout. Mm. And I'm always lost. Mm -hmm. Um, The Pro Controller helps a lot. But, yeah. If I if I play that thing in handheld, I have so many issues with it. It's ridiculous. That's fair. Well, jumping into the next game, still playing Ye Old I Racing. Did you end up doing that big NASCAR tournament thing or no? Which one? I thought there was some the other day. We were playing Minecraft. You said there there's some big tournament in I Racing. Am I going crazy? Big tournament. I mean, there's big events, and then there's like oh, the okay. iRacing uh, eNASCAR stuff, but... Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Um, no, those guys are way better than I am. Um, mm. I've been doing more of the road racing stuff, so... And how's that going? Uh, not bad. The The major problem is, is a lot of the stuff is endurance style so it's timed not laps Mm -hmm. and the shortest is usually 45 minutes and it's like 45 to an hour okay so it's you know it's an hour and a half time sync to do one of those events um whereas generally most oval races are just under an hour Mm-hmm. in and out so yeah, it's about an extra half hour time sync but you know it's 
it's still fun. I mean, it, it's something that I'll continue to do for a while. And it's it's kind of that it's the uh, you know it's it's playing um, it's like playing rock band to keep up your quote unquote musical skills. Mm-hmm. I racing takes that to obviously the eleven because it's you know it's basically as real as you can get without hopping into a real car. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Decent. Yeah, and then we've both uh, been playing that block game. Is it Roblox? We've been streaming Minecraft for... A couple weeks. Yeah, almost a month now. Uh, and it, it, we're no further than we were basically after the episode. <laughs> the issue with Minecraft, though, is you very much... So our goal is to... We've talked about our goal is to play the game until we beat the end... Or the Ender Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with Minecraft is you very quickly make progress, and if your goal is to quote unquote beat the game, unless you want to like do tricks to, like speed through it and we're relatively just kind of goofing around and doing it, uh, you very much hit that tailspin very quickly. Where you have to like kind of stock up in gear. Yeah, it's it's a yakuza game where instead of grinding for experience, we're just okay. We need to find a shit ton of diamonds. Right? Mm-hmm. So we need to do a ton of digging, and then it's, okay, we need to, we either need to be smart, or we just go at it, you know, basically brute force. Which we're being a little mixture. Yeah, I mean, I'm being kind of uh, cognizant of using, you know, uh, caves that I can see from above ground, and yeah, you're leading the charge a lot more. Like, I'm still getting, like, I, like, the last time we played, I got, like, 24 diamonds only, which, considering in two hours in regular Minecraft, 24 diamonds is pretty impressive. But, like, you're definitely one more leading, kind of, like, here's our next goal, and I'm just kind of following suit and kind of getting the stuff. And... Well, and, and I'm just kinda... going off of, like, okay, what is going to make our life easier? Like, Right, I'm kind of letting you be the brainchild where I'm just kind of leading the... You're my bitch. Oh, which, to be fair, whenever you play games that way, it's always, you're the straight man and I'm the comic relief, kind of, like, just going around doing stuff. We're getting towards a goal, but, like, never been my... I'm not, the, like, set on the goal of running it. Yeah. Uh, but also, I don't... That's not how I'd play. Like, we're playing this, like, I'm playing a little more goal-focused than I would play. Like, when I play Minecraft, it's like, okay, I want a house. Oh, now I want this thing, or now I want this. Like, I, like I'm playing it a little more actively than I would normally play Minecraft. Yeah. So once we uh, once we beat the Ender Dragon, I guess we'll decide on stock of what you and I both have. Mm-hmm. We also will see if it's worth getting. Like, because by then some more games would be out. We could also find this. I wouldn't be. I'd find it interesting if we stayed in that survival e realm for a hot minute. But I don't know what we'd try next. Yeah, I mean, there's. There's not much, right? Like, it's... If this was five years ago or ten years ago, there's a lot. But yeah, now it's that... That genre is... Like, obviously, there's that height of it during Rust, and then you got the Raft game a couple years ago and that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. Which, I mean, Raft is kind of fun, but... Like, the... The Rusts and, like, the Escape from Tarkovs and... You know what game we should go check out? Remember the interview we did... 
in the summer? Um, what was the game? Where me and you did it, we played the game. I was like a kind of active tower defense game. We had like different leveling up. Oh, yeah. Uh, knockback? Yeah, that might be a game worth us jumping back to for a week to check it out. Yeah. That could be well, that's good, cause that was like one of the games that me and you were both interested in. We just wanted to let it get some more updates going. Yeah, and judging by when I open up Steam, that guy's always always in game doing stuff. It's mm-hmm. promising. That's right, like it's promising. And even when we played it, I don't think at any point it was broken. It just needed some more work here and there. No, I mean, like I, I, de- I, I definitely it. broke it a couple times and <laughs> okay, kind of yeah, shut yeah. up about it, but. <laughs> but it wasn't. When I say it wasn't broken, obviously you break things, but it, like I feel like you, we also were able, even when you broke stuff, we were still able to play the game. Yeah. We never got to a point where you broke the game and the guy's like, I need to reset the server, which is usually what you expect to happen. Yeah. Remember the networking being surprisingly stable in that game? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think you had an issue, but that was on your end. I think it was my laptop, because I was playing with my laptop, because before I got the new desktop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's why it was... I think that might be something, but we could talk about it then. But yeah. Okay, I think that's all the games we've played. Um, I beat... Oh, I beat Miles. Um, yeah, and we'll then talk about I think... that Yeah. I think I'm going to end up buying Hitman here in the next week or two and start playing Hitman 3. Speaking of Hitman, before we go on... Do you want to talk about the list? Yeah. <laughs> so, you sent me over a list that Kotaku did. Oh, it's Ranking... Switching. What is it? It was 20... Let's let's rank Hitman trilogy levels from worst to best. By... So, here's the thing with Kotaku. I would rather say by an author I haven't heard of, because I don't think there's an author left in Kotaku that I have heard of. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. So let's make it. So neither of us played Hitman 3, correct? I have not played it yet, no. Okay. So we're going to kind of list them in order, but we can't, we're can't. we not going to talk about the Hitman 3 ones, because obviously neither of you have any reference points for them. Sound good? I mean, I watched the uh, Giant Bomb did a like race through Hitman mm-hmm. 3. Okay. So I've seen the levels... But I personally haven't interacted with them. Okay. So number 21 is On a Train from Hitman 3. So we're going to jump to the next one. Number 20 is Freedom Fighters in Colorado. Yeah. This is... I'm trying to put this one in place. This is where you pretend to be part of the militia. Yeah, uh, and you're, you kill the guy that looks like uh, Freddy. Right. Okay, so... There's the three I'm, targets. Right. I'm okay with this one being lower just because I don't have a good reference in my head, which tells me how relatively unmemorable it is. But to me, what I find interesting is I also don't remember it being the most annoying to me is why I find it interesting this is so low. No, I mean, like, they complain about there being no safe areas to relax as 47. I don't remember. Which, there are missions I remember that being a problem. I don't remember that being here. Like, okay, if you're trying to do suit only... Freedom Fighters might be the hardest level to do it in the first Hitman. But there are so many opportunities for you to find outfits that let you basically do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So that complaint of there not being areas to let you ponder is 
weird. I'm wondering if they're combining the um what was it it wasn't patient zero in the original Hitman. But there's one where you have to like you're up in the water tower and you're sniping dudes. That's him in two is what you're thinking of, I think. No, uh, it takes I mean... place on the Colorado map. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm wondering if they're worried about that, but it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like it, so I don't know. Okay, so the next one is a gilded cage, which is Morocco in Hitman. This is probably the third best level from the first Hitman. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, I don't remember Morocco being that bad. No, this is the one where I genuinely had the most fun in the first Hitman on this level. This is the the match with Morocco was I think it was too it was at Dubai. One of them was just too crowded. This one's pretty crowded, Morocco, because it's got the, I didn't even... it's got the uh, bazaar. It's got the uh, right. This is Morocco. It's Morocco. What I'm thinking. Yeah. So that's my one issue. That's my complaint about this level is. I dislike a map when it has too many people continually, which obviously Morocco in real life would too. So it's reflective of that. So that's kind of my problem from the levels. I mean, it just feels too claustrophobic walking around. Which we'll get to it later, but I'm very curious about your opinion about the Paris map because it's the same problem. Yeah, but we'll get to it in a second. But actually, I think there's more open in that one. Okay, so the next one is the training facility in Greenland, which is from the first Hitman. I don't know uh, if you first can include off, this. Like, well, I think you can because they, they bill it as a level. Uh, I think in theory this should be the worst levels unless something really is atrocious. Like they're great training levels, but like they're way less memorable. They're more memorable because it's a memorable tutorial, but it's not a memorable level. Yeah, that's yeah. It's great training. Legitimately, what I will give all the Hitman games is they're amazing at training you. I guess if. If they are going to include the training levels from the first Hitman game, mm-hmm. they need to be, yeah, 21 or whatever the lowest is. Mm-hmm. Because if we're ranking just... game tutorials, if you do at the top. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> the best tutorial. Okay. So the next one is Nicole by New Zealand, Hitman 2. So this is interesting. To me, this is one of my more favorite maps in Hitman 2 because there was such a cool twist. Because the whole point of this one was it is when you get halfway through it, the entire map changes because when the enemies yeah. appeared. That's why we liked about this one. Yeah, and if you look at their description, the description for this level mm-hmm. makes it seem like it's way higher up the list. Mm-hmm. Because they're super praising the level and the level design. I don't know why it's so low. And I think like, the twist of having, having going from an empty house to a house in which enemies appear is really cool. Yeah, and it, you know, it, yes, it's the first level, but it introduces you to all of the stuff that Hitman 2 brings into the game, right? It's the, it's, they can see you in the mirrors. It's the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the smoke effects are a little bit different. You know, there's some stuff that's added into Hitman 2 that isn't there in 1, and it's the perfect example of taking kind of what built 
Hitman One, mm-hmm. taking that to the you know logical next step. Mm-hmm. That's valid. Okay, so the next one we have is number sixteen, which is on top of the world in Dubai. So we're gonna let this one be. Which uh, I think it's interesting that they grouped all three first levels. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so fifteen, Japan. This to me is the worst. This is to me is the worst map in Hitman One. Playing it, it's really cool as a setting. Playing yeah. it's horrible. Yes. And that's why I don't understand how there's Hitman level. There are multiple Hitman levels ranked worse than this one. I would definitely put um, Colorado. I'm not sure. Morocco's definitely better than it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it just, it's, like, to me, the issue this one was, it was so sealed off, so it made it so hard. This one, to me, I felt like, so you know the whole thing with Hitman games is, if you you start escalating stuff, it's really hard to get back down. This one's impossible. Yeah. If you mess up, you're done. Which, it's funny that you mention that, because we'll get to it later in the list. But there's a Hitman 2 map that has the exact same premise. Mm-hmm. And they rank it significantly higher. Which again, this should be ranked. This should be ranked lower. Okay. Next one is uh, number fourteen, which is Bangkok Club Twenty Seven and Hitman. Uh, this is the one that I can't put my finger on remembering it. This is a fun map. Okay. Because it's the it's the hotel that's got the two sides. The one side has the guys that. Um, Oh, up the okay. top floor for the recording studio. The other side is like the presidential suite or whatever. So now I'm looking for screenshots and I kind of remember it. But to me, this is, I hate to say it, to me, this is what if you told me to describe generic Hitman map, this would be what I would come up with. I mean, this is, the, the problem is if this was in Hitman 2, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. Because it would be, oh, cool, it's another uh, sanguine. Because mm-hmm. that's what this is. This is just another Paris. Mm-hmm. The problem is you had Paris in this game, mm-hmm. and so it's it's weird to have like this is you know you're you were talking about Morocco being too uh, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Bangkok takes the claustrophobia of Paris and gets rid of it mm-hmm. because it's two, well, it's technically three buildings mm-hmm. and a basement, so there's you know, all kinds of space and you know, it's the population density is pretty low mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely better than Japan so, but it's weird to have it so low the problem is Hitman 2 had so many levels that it's like, okay. Right. Um, so the next one era. is... Yeah, which yeah, we'll leave the 7-3. Okay, then it's the Ark Society. So, I'm very torn on this Ark Society one for Hitman 2. I think this is when the story got really campy and really cool, and, and theme-wise is really cool, but I don't know if I really like this level. This is Hitman 2's Hokkaido. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if... I don't think it's as bad, though, for the record. 
No, it's worse. You think it's worse? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's there's very few outfits on Ark Society that get that, you many places. Yeah, you have to that constantly too. be switching outfits. Which I think a good Hitman level, I think you need like two to three is what you should need. Well, a good Hitman level needs to be doable suit only. Uh, doable, what I meant like realistically I'm saying two to three is kind of like the optimal kind of, okay. Yeah. Like yes, have a path for a perfect person, but broadly speaking I think that's kind of what I'm looking at when I see a Hitman. Yeah. And honestly, Hokkaido does that better than this. I would rank mm-hmm. Hokkaido above Ark Society. I think I'd do opposite, but I think this is still way too high. Yeah. Uh, More of Ark Society deserves to be lower than it is, not necessarily. Hokkaido yeah. deserves to be here. But... Yeah, okay, so Death and the Family is the next one, 11. We're going to let it be, because it's Hitman 3. Okay, so Three-Headed Serpent in Columbia. This is a map that, when I'm playing it, I'm really frustrated by, but looking back, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it solves the problem that you have of the escalation, mm-hmm. right? It's super easy to escalate this map, and then you just go into another area, and then it's de-escalated. So there's that, but I also, this map to me always felt like it was about to mess up, but I didn't. So I mean, like, I think it's perfectly structured that way. It's always like you're just on the edge. And and I think that's it's really that's why I think during it I hate it, but looking back I think it's really genius because it's kind of like when I go akin to like a really hard boss fight they you always just one step ahead on. Yeah, I mean the the problem with this level is the cheese in it is super easy to do. <laughs> we'll get to cheese. We haven't got to Paris yet. <laughs> um, okay, I, I th- I'd say it's a good spot. Um, It's weird to see it, because, like, so, I mean, Colombia is effectively just uh, Morocco with an extra area. Mm-hmm. Right, so for them to kind of complain about Morocco, mm-hmm. and then praise Colombia, like, there's really not much difference, and it's so, like, I texted you this when we were talking about the list, I'm like, I have so many issues with this list because it's so contradictory. Like it doesn't, you know, it, it bashes Morocco, but then it praises Colombia for the exact same feature, basically. Which makes no sense. Yeah. And it's not like adding a third suddenly makes that a doable thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and then you get into probably one of my favorite levels, which is the, the bank. This is exactly what I was thinking, too. So number nine is Golden Handshake NYC, which is that first love thing, which is the bank. I really like that bank, like, so much. And this does the... Um, the costume thing perfect. Mm-hmm. You can do this suit only, and it's super easy, as mm-hmm. long as you don't screw up. Or, you know, there's all kinds of outfits that you can use. So, mm-hmm. it's not... 
not necessarily the the hardest level because I feel this is one of those words the levels that have these um the multiple like uh this one you need to get the data shard out of the vault or you need to get the three data shards off the people mhm yeah, no, that's kind of why we like this one. It gives you multiple opportunities, and then, like, let's be honest, the best is going up to the tower and pushing the guy off. Well, no, the easiest thing to do is because you need to get into the back to get the the one target anyway, the bank manager. You just you figure out the room where the um, armored vehicle key is. Mm-hmm. You pick that up, you gas the guys in the vault, and then you just get it, and then you go through the... God, I forgot about gassing them in the vault. That was such a cool little thing. It's oh, you switch like, out the gas. Like, that's, that's the problem with this level, is the these side objectives of, like, don't kill the constant, or mm-hmm. retrieve the dead man switches, or retrieve the data, like... There's usually, you find the easy way to do it, and then you just stick to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good on them for this level having that, you know, there's either, okay, the vault route, or the, you know, the three different ones. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah so it's... number eight is Chasing a Ghost in Mumbai, which is Hitman 2. Which I think goes back to my crowded problem with the other one, but I think this one I think deals with that problem a little more elegantly. Yeah. The the problem is this is This is Morocco again. Like Yeah, no, it's the same level. Like it really is. You know, it's effectively Morocco just kind of scaled up. And for them to bash Morocco like this is this was the level that I was like they they praise a level like this later on. It's this. Mm-hmm. You know, they're bashing Morocco about kind of the the very few set-piece kills. And Mumbai is the same problem. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really only two, maybe three set-piece kills that are cool. Mm-hmm. And then the others are like, okay, do this, then that, and then you do it. Um, you know, I think the having the third target be anonymous is cool, mm-hmm. but but it's, it's not as cool in practice. Yeah, it sounds really cool, and like the concept and how you get there is really cool. Once you figure out who it is and how to kill them, it's so not cool. Well, and you can figure out who the the ghost is. When you take out one of the targets, right? Because like it just ha- basically adds another target. Yeah, they set up a meeting. The, the one character sets up a meeting with the ghost, so you just follow that, and then you get the two right there, and then it's like, oh, well, you know, you lose the uh, the luster of, you know, oh, we need to figure out who this guy is. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. so, Berlin, number seven is Apex. Yeah, we're gonna let it be. Well, I, I'll just say this: watching the uh, the giant bomb race, 
this mm-hmm. level looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. Okay. Uh, number six is the Farewell, uh, Hitman 3, Argentina. Uh, number five. Here is where we are. Perry. It's uh, weird having Paris this high when you bash Bangkok and you bash Morocco and basically all the levels that are ex- the exact same. See, and I disagree. I think to me, what makes Paris so special is how. So it's a couple things, right? It it is might it is one of the more memorable characters in there because I'm going to point to Helmut Kruger, obviously. Um, which also is just funny as fuck. Um, well, and also like. Helmet Kruger is really kind of the only time that they've ever done that. Right, and I think that gives Paris points. Which is funny, because they said a tone, like, it would always be like that, too. This is the first, this is the first level, this is... Yeah, this is the first level that they released. So it's kind of got that... I don't know, it's... I feel like it's got the... And I think... It's got the... The, the, uh... What's it called? Like, the lovebird syndrome. Like, that's the problem. So, so my actual thing with the Paris. So I think it's so the thing you're saying how it's crowded. I think is fair, but I think actually relatively a small percentage of that map is super crowded. It's not where I'm gonna do the kills, and not where I'm gonna try to do the kills. And and it's really only that first floor is crowded. When I go outside and I go up top, it's not. Well, I mean, there's the rooftop party. The auction room is crowded. The the storage rooms have guys roaming around like. I actually think I have a bigger complaint with the upstairs security rooms than I do with the crowds in the middle of the floor. Well, and so, like, I I generally don't have a problem with this level. My kind of, my gripe about this level is people put it on such high a pedestal and then bash mm-hmm. levels that do the exact same thing. See, I don't, I don't agree with you. They do the same thing. I think I think this being a focus on the inside... It's not all, but it's very focused on it. And I think it gets points for, like, Helmut Kruger and that kind of thing. It is it is literally the most memorable of characters, basically, in any, from any of the games. Well, we'll it's get also to, we'll a get name. To the next like, one. That's the problem, yeah. is Helmut Kruger is named. Like, if, if the drummer from Bangkok was named, that would be, like, on the same level as Paris, because... That is just completely absurd. Like, okay, yeah, you have Helmut Kruger, you know, you have 47 turning into a model. Which is wild. And walking the catwalk. But then in Bangkok, you have 47 choking out a drummer and then just rocking on the drums. And it's like, it's the exact same, you know, it's the exact same idea. Right, it's it's forty seven in an absurd situation. And I think the only reason that Helmut Kruger is you know people like that is because he's a named character. Okay, so next one is the last resort, which is Haven Island, which is the other piece of DLC commitment to. This is just tropical Hokkaido. If you yeah. screw up, you're done. That's the thing about. I think to me it's not as bad of a drop off because it being outside is so easy to walk around. But I broadly agree with you. Yeah, Hokkaido the is, is so many. Like 
Haven Island has so many restricted areas that you don't know until all of a sudden you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Somebody's shooting at me. Okay, so the next one. Uh, ye old Miami from Hitman 2. This is way too high. Interesting. Way too high. I really like Miami. It's alright. I really like, so I think one of the things I really like about this one is, more than some other levels, is it is multiple, it feels each, so there's like a couple spots, I mean, right? There's like the racetrack, there's the back, there's a few things. Um, to me, they each of them feel like very distinct, but they feel like they fit in the world. So I almost feel like it's mo, it's a broader feeling world, but still super cohesive, which is more usual compared to the other ones, where they're very kind of set in their single town. I mean, this, Miami has that same problem, too. Like, the whole, like, oh, you know, doing the race, like, doing eliminations in the race. Mm-hmm. That will just run, like, until you activate certain parts, the race just continues. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it kind of loses its luster, because it's like, okay, you know... The the race is like kind of it's a thing and one of your targets is in the race. So you know, you could go do whatever and then you know, you could kill the one target and then come back. The race is still going. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems like, you know, when you when you first walk in it feels like the race is about to end. And then it just it keeps going and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I gotta trigger this set piece and then the race winds and... down. So this I, I have issues with it being this high. Um you know, I, I guess you know, this this is the perfect example of a level that I am not a fan of, but a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's so, like, because of the race just going on, like, if the race just naturally ended... You'd feel more impressed. It, well, it would be cooler, because it'd be like, you know... You have to figure it out. You have to change your entire plan if it gets that far. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, you missed this opportunity in the story or whatever. Like, that needs to actually happen. Like, every other level has that, where... Oh, you missed your opportunity to start this story mission. Mm-hmm. With the race, it's just like, oh, it's going to keep going. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to trigger, you know, trigger a node in the story for it to finally start winding down. And that's that's my main problem is that you know, it's it's not as alive as a lot of people think it is. It's some of the stuff in this level is awesome. Like the the flamingo exit is amazing. Um, That's the amazing. Being a Florida man is hilarious. Um, you know, there's some really cool set pieces in this level, but that's all that is. It's set pieces. Like, mm-hmm. that's well. Okay, so number t- number two. Uh, this is my favorite level in the trilogy. Is Another Life, Widowhorn Creek, which is, I think, Vermont, and yeah. you're just in the suburbs? 
Yeah, it's a fun like this is it's very open. Um it being set in like an environment that like we're both kind of we grew up in the suburbs, so we're kind of familiar with this kind of feeling of the environment. This feels like when you picture small this when you feel when someone says, Describe to me utopian suburb America, it is this map. Yeah. Also, this like if we're being honest, this is the most realistic map. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Because like, I've been in a suburb that feels like this. Like, it's not where I grew up, but like, we've been to the, we've all been to these suburbs that feels like this map. Well, no, more of like, if a hitman were to go after somebody, it would be in a situation like this. It wouldn't be, you know, blowing up their race car. No, it'd be gassing the. Uh, it'd be like. Switching or switching, it'd be switching out the oxygen tank where an old man smokes and yeah. blows up, or yeah. gassing the house. Yeah, like this. Or is... pretending to be an exterminator. Yeah, this is it's beautiful. This is the most realistic level. It also makes sense that someone could walk around kind of the neighborhood and be semi not suspicious because people walked around in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Especially you look at some other maps and you lay down the road and you start not in the suit, but you start in like an outfit of someone in the suburbs. Like it looks like someone's walking a neighborhood. Yeah. So, and I, I agree with their number one being Sapienza. It's the one that I feel people talk about a ton. Yeah, like it's it's really cool. It does the you know objective like non kill objective right mm-hmm. because the destroying the virus is like it it changes the sapienza level so much. Mm-hmm. Like this is. If Sapienza came out as, um, you know, they mentioned Mumbai as being a, like, open world level from a previous gen console or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think Sapienza is the level. Like, this this level is a city, you know, whereas Mumbai is kind of just like a, a little area. Mm-hmm. Sapienza feels like a city. It doesn't feel like, you know, you're being cordoned off. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think some of the there are like three or four cool set piece kills, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's fair. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's also cool that wasn't this like the second level that they released or something like that? Yeah, it went it went um Paris to Sampienza. Yeah. So the, to me what was really cool is they showed they could do an inside piece and an outside piece very quickly. And so we just have anyone had any doubt type pieces they could make. Yeah. This was a really good follow up to Paris. Mm-hmm. Um I think the the problem that they have is how do you follow up Sapienza? Like you've done mm-hmm. okay, inside, outside you know, do we do a night level, which they turn they turn Sapienza into a night level at one point. Mm-hmm. But, so so back to the obvious thing I was just saying. We both adore at least both games. We didn't play the third one, which I've heard great things about. We would do so even if we have complaints about it's funny because we, we there are levels we both hate. 
But yep. like, and the, the game only has 13 levels to combine them. We still love the games. Yeah, 1 and 2 are probably my favorite. Like, just... I can fire up Hitman 2 and play any level in that game. I remember... Very responsible. Uh, I was showing my nephew Hitman one time. Um... And and he kind of messed up in Paris and like died almost immediately. I was like, Give me a controller, AJ. From spawning in Paris in the default location to walking out with both kills was 15 minutes. He just looked at me like, "What did you just do?" <laughs> All I did was I walked, had a throwing knife, killed the one guy, kept walking, went downstairs, shot a guy, ran out of there. <laughs> then I don't. Uh, you may have been playing the a different thing because Paris is like that's impossible to do. Like, mm. this is the guy upstairs you get in Paris. Is how I got the guy with the throwing knife. Yeah, the guy walking down the stairs. Yeah, that was easy because you just yeah. be in the corner. You just kind of keep walking. They didn't catch him. Um, and then no the, what i did was the lady is upstairs you have to get the invitation or sneak around maybe snuck around then it was something where i just kind of shot her it was good it was relatively easy to get in well, if you know that map enough so children was playing yeah. a lot more like i was able to find a kind of a quick way in but yeah okay that was a kind of a hit went down um tv and movie stuff uh i know we're kind of going longer uh Is it, did you watch Godzilla vs. King Kong, or is this Godzilla and Kong? This is Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Kong Skull Island. If I remember right, Kong Skull Island was the one that was received okay? Sure, it was okay. <laughs> well, either of these good? Uh, not really. Why did you watch him? Well, because Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out at the end of uh, March. I hadn't seen the recent... So are these tied to that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, at the end of... uh, Well, in King of Monsters, they talk about, like, oh, we're seeing, you know, they mention Skull Island a bunch, uh... Or they mention it by name, I should say, and it's all the other monsters or whatever. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it's building up to Godzilla taking on King Kong, which will be interesting. Um, I give the effects house is that did these movies extreme credit mm. because. I mean the the creatures that they make look realistic. It's crazy. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like you know, it doesn't feel like they're digital. Mm-hmm. It feels like you know, it, it feels like the old school movies where it feels like it looked like a prop, like like it was a physical thing that they shot with, but it's very you know 
knowing production, it's very clearly not. It's just a dot on a green screen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the Still details good. and the, you know, the effects on them are really, really cool. That's good. Nice. Um, Is that fan-controlled football you're watching? Uh, Yeah, so I watched like 15 minutes of fan-controlled football. How is it? It is dog shit. <laughs> Which is because some people actually really like it. Well, so I watched the... Uh, I was on Twitch scrolling through some, some feeds and the kind of funny one popped up. Mm-hmm. So... I hopped into that and you know, the whole thing is, Oh, you use the app or the widget to vote. Mm -hmm. They had one, two, they had five, six or six people. They had six people on the call for this kind of funny stream. Yeah. Every one of them had issues. Interesting. They're like, Oh, apps down. I guess I'm using the widget. Other person was so, like, oh, app's working fine for me. Widget's broken. So, actual question for you then. So, obviously, we'll take to, I want to take technical issue out of it aside for a second. Mm-hmm. If it worked, do you feel like the idea is cool? Do you feel like it could be successful? Kind of like, what is your feeling on that? This will burn through cash faster than the XFO. Interesting. Because... Uh, I'm almost on the opposite take of that one. Because I think, to me... It is a couple things, at least on paper, really right. I think speeding up the games helps a ton. And I think giving audience a reason to interact is what I'd be curious. If they could take out some of the rougher edges of it, it would help it a ton. Because then you're more invested. Well, the problem is, like, you know, it's it's NFL Blitz play calling. So you get like four options or whatever, depending on which one you choose. The problem is like, if this were NFL football, the NFL offenses are so fine-tuned right. that they could run no huddle the entire length of the field and have a drive last like 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. The problem with this is it's taking the the issues with football, which is the downtime, and exacerbates that because there is no no huddle. There's no, you know, uh, quick, like, it's, okay, wait and see what the vote says. Okay, we're going to call this play. Yeah, there, there are things to me that I wish... So, so... When I say rough edges, one of the things is I feel so one of the things I liked early when I was watching it, not I didn't watch it like early when they were kind of setting stuff up was that the fans got to pick some rules and stuff. To me, I would give fans almost less controls during the game, at least play by play, and try to give them more controls like around the rules of the games and how the games are played than like oh, in no. the moment. That would be terrible. No, no, you still limit them. You don't give them blind choice, but you give like how long is this game going to be? 45 minutes, an hour, or like, or like those kind of things. I think we should almost put on the fly more than like in the moment of letting them choose every play. I think that's a problem. The problem, if you give like, 
the meme. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Like the the meme desire mm-hmm. in the meme hive mind would destroy if you're like, oh, let's put it up to the fans for rules. No, no, this is why you give them control. You only give them options. You don't blindly let them pick. Them. Yeah, but like they have a vote for like getting rid of the refs or whatever because Greg got pissed off at the refs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you don't do like that. Is part of that's part of sports is being annoyed mm-hmm. at the refs. And. You know, and if, like he knows that because he's a football fan. Like that's I think it's yeah. playing it out for it. Like to be fair, I mean he totally is. like they've got Nick Scarpino playing Johnny Ace or whatever. Right, like all that is like it's, it's playing it up. Like that's yeah. what that is. And I mean it's I think like this this will last as long as there aren't fans in stands. Because okay. the second fans can watch football in the stands, they'll go watch football in the stands. But the huge thing, though, this is purposely off-season. I think it's going to stay that way. Well, but you're going to have the XFL in the spring. Uh, um, no, that's not till next year, I thought. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm saying this will last, like, this one year and then be done. Okay. I don't see, like... Because going to watch an FCF game would be so boring. Mm-hmm. Because, ev- okay, even if you can vote in the arena, again, it's the downtime that is kill. And you have a running clock. Right. So it's like, well, you know, let's waste half of the game standing around doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, at least in the NFL, the clock stops. Mm-hmm. So, so if anything you need if anything then I'd be curious if there'd be ways to do something like tighten the actual clock time but don't have it run during like you have to find ways kind of to minimize the downtime honestly but it's like NFL games have so much downtime yeah which is a complaint obviously of NFL games but you're not losing action because of downtime right Whereas with the FCF, you're losing. Like first off, these the FCF they don't play defense at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, I guess if you like watching offense, all right. But after the like fifth super long play, it gets kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Like okay, you know. So then you're gonna do seven then... on seven, basically zero defense. Just play flag or something like that. Like, you know, having this is, I heard it, somebody, somebody described it best. This is lingerie football league with guys. <laughs> That's all this is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to die pretty quick. Well, that is fair. Okay. And then lastly on your list, Generation Kill? Yeah, the uh, HBO miniseries. I don't know if I'm familiar with it. It's uh, it's set in 2003. Okay. Uh, the invasion of Iraq. Hmm. It's good. Um, 
you either need to be in the military or enjoy kind of the intricacies of the military. Okay. To really enjoy it because this is Generation Kill is a lot like Jarhead. Okay. In that it's basically all downtime. Mm. Or it's, you know, showing the kind of the uh I guess the the downsides to the US military machine of you know it's not always the best people that are in the position. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would say it's a, you know, it's a must-watch if you have HBO. Um, it's got a lot. It's, it's interesting because it's got stars in it, mm-hmm. but not as many. Like, because especially Band of Brothers. I mean, that had. Everyone. Everyone in it. The Pacific had Tom a couple Hanks, guys right? in it. No, that was Saving Private Ryan. There's someone else in that I'm like I'm gonna um, come in. Shit, what's his name? Uh I'm pulling up now. Uh The British Fastbender. Fastbender's in Band of Brothers. Yeah. And uh what's his name? Damien Lewis won Livingston. Yeah. Damien Lewis is in it. So he was he was a big name, especially when that came up. I assume this was Fastbender's wife first. Uh, one of his first big ones, yeah. But really, like, Generation it Kill has... By, it was written by Tom Hanks, by the way. Band of Brothers, yeah. so I got that. And created by him and Steven Spielberg. That's how Spielberg yeah. in my head, too. It was... Yeah, he, Hanks wasn't in it, but it was... Yeah. Right, that's that's where I probably got... I knew he was tied to it. Yeah. Um, but Generation Kill, like, it has Alexander Skarsgård, and that's about it. In terms of big names. Which I think is good because having big name actors in your TV show, especially a TV show that is so atmospheric, mm-hmm. kind of pulls you out. Like, you know, uh, Schwimmer was in Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. And seeing him in that show just completely pulls you out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all I really watched in the last bit is I've been watching. I'm one episode behind on One Division. Who gives uh, a shit? Uh, it's good. Um, the fr- you actually the first couple episodes are straight just old sitcoms. So one of the things this show does really cool is every new episode they set in the next generation spoofing a sitcom. Um, it's like Malcolm in the Middle was a season. Modern Family was an episode, stuff like that, which I think is actually kind of a cool twist on the show because uh, there are moments where Disney does sitcoms apparently better than actual sitcoms do them for a show that isn't trying to be a sitcom. I mean, when you have an endless budget, you can do whatever. Yeah, no, that helps a ton. I think it's telling stories in a cool way that like Marvel movies just couldn't because obviously you, you tell stories in TV different than movies. I don't know, I think my problem with, like, it's, it's the same issue we're going to run to, run into with Avatar, it's the same issue that we ran into with Star Wars, it's just, 
everything is Marvel. And it's like, you know, it's, you know, okay, yes, they're doing a very good job with it. But eventually people are just going to get, like, bored of WandaVision or bored of the Marvel movies. Like, I will be curious when that starts happening. I don't disagree with you, but it's interesting because I think we all thought this would happen 10 movies ago. I I figured it would happen after Endgame. Although, I guess Far From Home was was Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And that was, you know, there was a lot to hope for in that movie. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, you know. Which is the next Spider-Man is the end of this year, so. Yeah. I guess Far From Home was the perfect movie to release to kind of keep that that drive still there mm-hmm. because if you had released like another Ant-Man movie or right um you know well you couldn't really do an Iron Man movie but you know uh I think if you had released a non Watiti Thor movie mm-hmm. you would see those that movie just tank like because people aren't interested, like people are interested in uh, the next Thor movie because it's Watiti doing it, mm-hmm. and so it's not a superhero movie at that point. It's a it's a ridiculous comedy. It's not even you know a, it's not even like a rom com. It's just ridiculous comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the Tom Holland Spider-Man has succeeded in kind of the the idea of it's it's not a superhero movie it's Peter Parker it's mm-hmm. you know so and I think that's that's part of what makes Marvel successful is they don't focus on the superheroes yeah you know whereas Justice League and I will get Justice League. Whatever's we'll next for Justice DC, League. like those are super. Uh, I think Flashpoint or Batman. I forget which is next, but yeah. You know, hopefully the um, the new Batman that seems to be kind of leaning on the Spider-Man formula of. Mm-hmm. He's not a superhero. At least not yet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's jump to some stuff. First thing. Uh, speaking of Avatar. Uh, Avatar Last Airbender franchise to expand. With Nickelodeon also announced they're forming a thing called Avatar Studios. Uh, so basically they're doing Avatar movie made by the original creators. And it's all... This is... Broadly, all came out during this news about Paramount Plus officially came out, and some series announcements. Uh, this is the only one I really pulled from it, uh, because I think it was the, of the list of them, it is probably the biggest deal of ones, and I think it matters because whether you get Avatar broadly rated is, in modern times, rated as one of the greatest animated shows, and I think it, it having the original creators at least attached to it gives people a lot more... Uh, comfort than that film that came out a couple years ago that had them backing the fuck away of immediately as we like to say well and there's a 
you know, I, I read something about the, you know, the Shyamalan movie and it, how it was mm-hmm. like, it was what happens if they're trying to make a movie about avatars. Right. Like it wasn't, it wasn't an in canon movie. It was like, if somebody was making in the universe, a movie about avatars, it wasn't the, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which, the show, man, that is a show that just, like, talk about the ultimate rebound. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because that show was on when I was, when I was a kid. Right. And it's still, like, if you read the numbers, uh, it's the thing I'm looking at, too, is the show, an average popularity right now is ten times more popular than it was when it was on the air. And at the time for Nickelodeon, that was a good moneymaker, too. Like it was, it was all right, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing it like resurface, and I'm like, okay, is this just, is this some weird weeb shit that I don't know about? Is it? No, like it's show like if you look at your views at the time, which obviously I didn't, and I don't know if you did at the time. Like it was always ranked super high, and I think it's one of those things that only ranked high at the time. It's held up, and I think that's probably why it's jumped in esteem. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's been so weird to kind of watch the legs that that show has. I mean, especially like Legend of Korra, like was reviewed so well, but did not do well at all. That well, last the season first was season extremely... was rough, from what I heard. It was in... it got real good though, like season two and stuff. The issue was like season yeah. three, they just put on Nickelodeon dot com because they had them, but they didn't want to air them. <laughs> That's how bad the rating was. Yeah. Uh, okay. On list of stuff that I don't think we need, but is happening. Uh, we officially have a Joel and Ellie, The Last of Us HBO series, and it's Pedro Pascal for Joel. I uh, think this is... This is the best casting. No. I don't question the casting, actually. I think casting is good. I don't think we need this as a series. I'm. I'll be curious to see what they cover. Like, is, is it, it going to be retelling game? the game? Is it going to be because Ellie's in it, so it relatively has to be. Well, but is it going to be like the game, or is this going to be a new story? The you know after they get to Jackson, is it going to be? Or do you tell a story like in the middle of the game? Because you know the game jumped over a year. Maybe find like a section of this of the game in which we didn't actually play. So in between time when they jump time. In the first one? They jump mm-hmm. time in the second one. Mm-hmm. I guess. But this obviously, I don't think could be the. My, I think my understanding yeah. was the set in the, at least the time frame of the first. I'm trying to think of the first one when they would have jumped. And I. I, I think, think the biggest jump think, was like a couple days in the winter. I guess that's fair. I mean, they would, they would jump like, you know, they would. You would reach a point and then it would hop to the next season, but. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like in, the, in two where you're jumping months. Time. Yeah. So. That's fair. Okay. Um, I have some trailers listed here. Uh, so the first, obviously, is the Mortal Kombat trailer dropped recently. Which I believe I tweeted at you and said, can we refresh movie club for? <laughs> I mean, we're going to revive Movie Club for 
Snyder cut, but damn right. Um, uh, Mortal Kombat does not look good. It looks fine. I mean, the That's... effects at least look good. Yeah, but like the story they're trying to tell with that trailer made no sense. Yeah, I think it was just a bad trailer. I mean, it's possible. Like, uh, the cast seems okay. Um, it seems to when they're in the more Mortal Kombat world, it seems to fit the vibe well. But like when they're in that Earth world, and they're like, yeah, and there's this tournament. Like, it like it just sounds very weird. I hope that's like twenty minutes at the beginning, and then that's it. Yeah, like to me, it should all be set in the tournament world. It shouldn't be set in like Earth. Yeah. Which is what it seems like it's been, which is like a parallel world thing. Well, yeah, you gotta go to the Nether Realm. <laughs> oh, because it's named by Nether Realm. Smart. I mean, the balls, the balls on Nether Realm to be like, screw it, we're just gonna call everything a realm because our company name is Nether Realm. <laughs> now, here's the question Is Ed Boon in the movie, do you think? Like, as a cameo? Or I what hope are he's they because <laughs> they're I mean it's clearly not any games roster okay but you still like I promise you in some capacity Ed Boon will be mentioned or visible in some frame in this film it'll be a character or a voice I don't yeah, think like, you'll like, see Ed Boon's face he'll be something else which I have to say I know there's a lot more to that team than Ed Boon since I literally know people on that team um but like if I said and named me someone with Mortal Kombat. No one can name anyone else. Like, like he, he, he is one of those people in the industry that, like, we talk about that really matters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, next we have a Falcon trailer, which obviously I care about a lot more than you do. Add this onto the list. Of who cares? <laughs> uh, and then lastly. AJ, we, we it, it happened. It came out on Valentine's Day. Our official trailer for the Snyder Cut. Where we're watching like this in black and white when the when the layers of gray edition comes out. There has to be a black and white version of this. Right? They announced that uh, today. Okay, because like it's it just feels like there has to be. Uh, I'm excited because A, it's it's long okay, wild Uh, I will be curious do you think this will be better or worse than Justice League that we got? That's debatable but I think it will at least solve some issues I think it's very obvious it will uh I am genuinely curious, so, like, it ends with, like, the Joker, for example. And I want to see more of that Flash and Cyborg stuff that we know got cut from the film. Will we, though? Because Cyborg is persona non grata. That was before this, though. Uh, And the other thing, obviously, is we want to see what what happens that makes him Black Suit Man and makes him go back. Because that suit's in the trailer. Yeah. Well, that'll probably be dark side stuff. So. But like, I'm excited to at least see what this vision of Zack Snyder is, especially because we thought they gave him a leash with the Watchmen. 
Not Justice League, they gave him the entire barn. Uh, well, I'm more curious, like, what the original, the original Snyder cut mm-hmm. of this movie, of the stuff that he shot, at least. Mm-hmm. How much different is that? Because there were extensive reshoots for Justice League. We knew that. Right, so it's obviously left. different. But, you know, how much of that is... How much of the originals are in this? How much of... I have to imagine everything with the Joker was reshot, because it's a completely different look. Which I'm very interested by, because I didn't hate the Joker the same way everyone else did, so I'll be very curious how this all looks. I mean, he, like, Leto was fine as the Joker. Mm-hmm. I think the whole, the look was just weird. I'm going to go back to him and say the obvious thing, though. Jared Leto and the Joker wasn't the problem with Suicide Squad. No. <laughs> like, on no level was he the problem. There were bigger issues with that movie. Like, if he was the worst thing about that film, that film would be three times better than it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, jumping to video games. Uh, I think we have to start with the obvious one. Google pulled a Google. So uh, you know what's funny about this? Hmm. This. What was the tweet about? Um. That came after Navarro about <laughs> how Stadia doing. <laughs> yeah, oh, the from the show. director, yeah. yeah. From the one game director. And now he's fired. <laughs> so, to me, what was funnier was, there was a, the way this people found out about this was, one of the teams that Google bought that made Journey to the Savage Planet, it was partially busted. No one was playing enough, so someone finally caught a bug that you couldn't play it anymore on there emailed the devs to tell them you can't play the game, and no one responded because there was no one left at the developer. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? and what's weird is, like, why didn't they... Like, it was weird to pull the team and not, like, like, completely severed the team. It, you know, they didn't, you know route the email does. address to a support or what yeah um it's just yeah fuck so the other thing I read was apparently they were paying shit like when they bought you know like Red Dead was on the stadium and stuff they were mm-hmm. paying stuff like 40 million dollars for the rights to stream Red Dead that's not surprising apparently Google spent like half a billion dollars for the rights to games and what they hit 100 games <laughs> so what I was reading is the general vibe of what people are feeling is, and I was reading this on the TechCrunch and Bloomberg and stuff, is Google tried to throw money at this like it was a tech problem, where this was actually a game development problem, and it was it is the same problem Amazon's really having, which is that these are tech companies trying to get in a game space, but they're trying to treat it like a tech issue, which obviously once Stadia's tech part is a tech issue. But making games that work on that platform or trying to sell it to gamers is a different issue. Yeah, I mean, like, the tech part of Stadia is fine. Right, that's not the problem. It's it's 
So, like, a comparison I was reading, which I think makes a lot of sense, is uh, so Amazon is a kind of a con to Google, right? Where they're kind of having tech we trying to figure this out. Where Apple is treating this a lot more like Microsoft is, which is why they're succeeding. Because, like, Apple just, like, stole ex-Disney developers and stole those business people from the game side and built a platform around how people play and consume games. Where, where like, Stadia, we go back to, the dumbest thing in the world was, you had to pay for a box, which was $130. You then had to pay for a subscription. And then you also had to pay for the games. Yeah. Which, which Google was trying to be like, well, people buy consoles. Great. But you're trying to pitch this as not a console, and people just don't trust your tech. It's way harder. We at least, whether you like game consoles or not, we relatively all know what to expect from them. Well, and I guess the, the solace for Luna is that mm -hmm. Amazon, and maybe this is a Bezos thing, so this will change now. Amazon does not abandon its dead tech. Correct. They for better or for worse, you know, you can buy, you know, for whatever reason, they still make fire glasses. Mm-hmm. Which are basically Google Glass. In fact, they made a second version of them recently. I thought a new one just came out. I was not looking at buying it at all. Don't worry. Um, but yeah. I looked at them. I'm like, why would... Who cares? So the one I really like is... It's not those. Sidetrack. There's the Bose headset I think are really cool. Where it's actually speakers and only you can hear the music. Yeah. Those I think are cool. Um... But no, I think it's that. So yeah, it's the Google thing. And then... Google, I think, had two exclusive games on that platform. Like, and then you need to, it's like, there's all those problems tied to it. And, like, the thing I go back to is, who was their market? Because our tech isn't there yet. But, like, what's the market for? When you're not, when you're traveling and you have some Wi-Fi, but then the Wi-Fi isn't strong enough. If I'm home and I'm the consumer you're going after... That's a pretty big drop. I have to still drop on the stuff. It's it's the same as going to buy an Xbox One or a PS4. Like I don't understand who this was for. It's it's why to me, XCloud is going to be interesting. Right. Because so XCloud, XCloud is, is the same thing. Yes, but people trust the Xbox brand more. They do. But what I'm saying is, it's targeting the same market. Like it's right. the idea and of you know. You so, can play it on the go, but can you? Like, is is the real question. And then, oh, well, you can stream it, you know, when you have great Wi-Fi. Well, when you have great Wi-Fi, you're either at home, so you're at your Xbox, or you're at a friend's house, and who cares? Like, So I think there are some cool tech there that I think 10 years from now, that would be really important. Um, So Google did a thing, which was the first main person I heard do this was is so one of the things that remember when Sony bought whatever it was that is now PS now, um, Gaikai. Kai. Yes. So their their issue is and it's still an issue, is when I do an input on a controller, it streams it to this, it streams it to the game console, which then streams it to the server and then does the output. The Google controller streams it directly to the server, which yeah. seems small. When I'm talking about how many jumps that is, that's massive. Here's you want to know the harsh reality of it. Hmm. I didn't notice a difference. I was Which having is... lag issues anyway, so. Okay, 
from a technical feat point of view, if we want to get to the streaming future, stuff like that matters a ton, and yeah. figuring it out matters a ton. So whether it works now, you could have that fight, but it, figuring it out matters. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, it's it's the logical step for, you know, I think it's smart that Stadia is now, like, hey, instead of, what's the, what's the name of the service that people are using right now for, like, streaming demos? Oh, fuck, I know what you're talking about, too. Which, yeah. really, that service works really well, people are saying. Yeah. So Stadia is now going to be that, like, which is the smart idea, like. Yeah, because how many businesses have a Google email already? Tie it in that model, add it as an add-on to your Google account services. Yeah. And, you know, it can be... It, it'll be so much easier because, you know, if if they can make it where, you know, oh, Ubisoft has, you know, uh, you didn't put it on here, but... E three twenty one has been cancelled. Right. You know, if if Ubisoft is like, hey, we have our demo and it's exclusively through Stadia. Mm-hmm. So you can play it on anything. You could pull it up on, you know, a browser and play it. Like that idea is awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like it was weird that they were trying to do the storefront as well mm-hmm. um but i think or at least i hope i should say that this change to um kind of the the service is you know the the thing that makes that survive because it's amazing tech but mm-hmm. you know it it's got the the problem of you know, it's the you know it's the Sony issue. It's you know it's it's what makes Sony and Microsoft different, right? Like Sony is a just it's a hardware company. Mm-hmm. So since the PlayStation, the Sony has been it may not have been the strongest, you know the. The original Xbox was more powerful, mm-hmm. but it was sturdy. You knew it was going to last, and it would run. You know, it would run fine the entire length of its service life. Mm-hmm. Whereas Microsoft is a software company, so the software was better, but the hardware was very hit or miss. Right. In fact, kind of still is today. I think this series has finally kicked that trend. <laughs> To be fair, it's really hard to get over a thing where, like, half your consoles die in the first two years. <laughs> well, and then you had, you know, the the one, the Xbox One issue of, you know, it was, it was effectively a PS4 inside, but they were using the hardware for, you know, other hardware stuff that nobody was using, so it was going to be a worse experience. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. Uh, jumping to next news, uh, it is Pokemon's 25th anniversary, as you mentioned last time. The 25th anniversary was like two days ago. And the biggest announcements were two sets of games, because it's Pokemon, so. Uh, the first set is finally uh, late this year, so usually the October-November timeframe is normally come out. 
we'll be getting remakes of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, known as Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which will be Pokemon like you expect. And then finally, we've, this has been long rumored in development, is coming out beginning of next year, or first quarter, is Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is, uh, as people like to say, what Breath of the Wild did to Zelda, this is trying to do to Pokemon. It is set inside Sinnoh, uh, years before any other Pokemon games have ever taken place that are traditional Pokemon games. Um, so, like, there's no gym, there's no league, it's an open-world game, all the Pokemon kind of naturally go in the environment. And what's really cool is, which is probably nothing AJ cares about, is the starters there aren't Sinnoh starters. Actually, Piplup is, but it's Piplup, Cyndaquil, and uh, whatever the grass one is. Um, which is just kind of a cool little take on Pokemon. And that's kind of interesting is the Pokemon Company has an now that uh it's Rollick, by the way. I was thinking. Uh that what's what's cool about this is Pokemon Company has announced is uh that kind of this is kind of like their first of this take a game, so we could have more in the future, which would really kind of change how kind of people we can make Pokemon games now and that kind of thing. And I think it's kind of a cool take on the series also making it feel like a Pokemon game, and they've defined this as a main core game, because, like, they have those main games, and obviously those Pokemon side games. They have said they are counting this in their main track of Pokemon games, so anything that's really successful in this, they'll obviously take from and add it to the future games, too. You done yet? Yeah, you don't care about Pokemon, we know. That one bit. <laughs> so, the next news we have, after it's long, torturous redevelopment. Anthem is officially dead. I'll admit, I was looking forward to Anthem 2.0. It was Anthem Next, get it right? Or Next, or whatever. Well, it was 2.0 originally, and then they called it Next. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I think that matters a lot less. But what I think is interesting, which I didn't write down, is it's also been confirmed now that the next Dragon Age is going to be an actual single-player RPG because of still how formal Anthem did. But the, but the thing, though, is apparently the game was supposed to be a live-service game. But because of Anthem, they're not making any more live-service games that are supposed to be RPGs. They'll still fuck it up. The least hopefully means the NAS Max Effect is also not a live-service game. Because Anthem was trying to be live-service Mass Effect. Mm, no, it wasn't. That was trying to be Mass Effect-style Destiny. It was trying to be... More of an RPG Destiny. It wasn't trying to be Mass Effect Destiny. It was definitely trying to be like look wise. It looked like Mass Effect Andromeda minus janky graphics. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Next news. Uh. This happened a while ago, but we didn't talk about it yet. Gearbox and all of Asper Media has officially been bought by the Embracer Group, which is THQ Nordic. Money laundering at its finest. <laughs> Uh, did they make Granny Pitchford, what, Chief Laundry mo- Money Launderer at CML? That's a C-suite executive, right? He's the uh, CFO. <laughs> Granny like... Pitchford is the new CFO of Embracer Group. <laughs> so expect like... uh, a lot more games to have Cyrillic in them. So here's my actual question. Not ironic, right? 
Yeah. What do we think happens to Borderlands? Uh, I well, well, I would be interested to see what the deal them? was. So, 2K I know owns the rights to it, but my understanding was I thought Gearbox had to do some sign off if other companies made Borderlands games. So, like for the Telltale stuff and for the 2K Australia team that made Borderlands games, I thought that Gearbox had to sign off and probably money changed hands in that sign off. That is probably null and void now that it's a different entity. Yeah, it's a different entity. So, so I wonder if just two because 2K made a comment how they're excited to keep working with Gearbox, but that for we know that could just be because it was continual Borderlands three content. I'd be curious when we get to the next Borderlands because we all know there's going to be one. Does Gearbox make it, or does Gearbox make out 2K? Like, does Embracer try to buy Borderlands? Like, what I don't understand is if you don't have Borderlands, why do you buy Gearbox? Because. The feds are on to you, so you need a new money launderer. <laughs> because, like, legitimately, Gearbox is a fine team, and, like, what's actually interesting is they start doing that publishing. Maybe that's the money? Like, I don't... What's interesting about Gearbox is their best IP slash most well-known IP, they don't own or control. Yeah. So it's not even like a, if someone bought uh, Bungie, I mean, this is... Least- this is, this, is, this is Kojima and, you know, the Metal Gear. Okay, great, but Randy Pitchford's not Kojima. <laughs> like... No, but this is, you know... Kojima no longer has control of the Metal Gear franchise. Mm-hmm. So, why, why deal with Kojima? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's the same thing. The, but I, the, I'm the, the real game. question that I have. Make... Okay. The real question I have: Who is behind Embracer? Is it the Russians or is it the Chinese or is it the Indians? <laughs> like legitimately, who's behind them? Because they've bought I up it everybody. Was Russians. I thought it was actually Russians. Was it Chinese? No, it's Chinese. Is it? Mm-hmm. That makes I'm sense. Not... Uh, THQ Nordic. Let me look. I could be making this up. Group, like... So no, Tishy Nordic is Austrian. Yeah, but look up who runs Embracer Group. Like who's fighting? Well, my phone wasn't acting like a piece of shit. Uh... For all we know, THQ Nordic being based in Austria is just like a a front. Embracer Group's Swedish because Nordic Games. It's Nordic Games, which would make sense. Yeah, but. There's somebody's. But it's not Swiss, but they're Swiss bank accounts. Somebody's pumping money into them from somewhere. They have to, right? I mean, like they came from nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. what do we pair the? Like so much of that is yes, they came from nowhere, but not fully because, like, in that region, they're actually a pretty good film publisher. Well, not Embracer Group. The, the yeah, group the, the that, parent, parent. The group that bought all the THQ assets. Mm-hmm. Like, Which turned into THQ Nordic, yeah. yeah. Which was Nordic, I think. It was just called Nordic before then. And they were nobody. Like, for them to now 
control, you know, <laughs> Everything. so much. Like, at least with Tencent, you know it's a Chinese-funded mm-hmm. thing. You know it's a Chinese money laundering scheme. You know it's this or that. Like, I feel like because it's so quiet, it has to be the Russians. Like, you know, it's not American. It's not Western European. It's not Indian because it would have some weird-ass name. Mm-hmm. So... That's fair. Okay, yeah. Uh, next thing we have. <sighs> Do we have to talk about GameStop? Yes, because it was on a surge again this week. I know, I, saw, I had still had some, I sold it. How long, like, if you look at Wall Street bets, the people there are so, like, I don't know if they're, like, they've brainwashed themselves or what. <laughs> it's working. But but think about this, right? So it's March. Mm-hmm. GameStop fiscal year, as far as I know, ends in March. So you're saying anything they have left is going to come crashing down? When yeah, when earning reports come out in April, it doesn't matter what Wall Street Bets does. That where you know where the financial reports are okay if you're trading at four or five bucks. Mm-hmm. No, if you're trading the at the base is supposed to be somewhere in the twenties or thirties. That's kind of the general rule of thumb, is the way I understand it. Well, what they it, were it, before it was what was it? It was like twelve, but it was on a decline. Yeah, before everything happened. So it, let's be realistic. It was it would probably be a five to six dollar share about now normally. Yeah, I don't think it would happen overnight, but I, I get you saying like over well, two, it's been a month. year. Like yeah, so I mean. Especially when, you know, I don't think they either had one at the beginning of this or they haven't had one yet of a quarterly report. I think it was before this. Yeah. This has all been in this quarter. So, you know, those are where you see the stock. You would see a major move, mm-hmm. especially a decline. And I think it may have gone up a little bit with the new CEO. But then, you know, the next quarterly report would come out and they haven't sold anything because stores are closed. So it would go, it'd continue to go down. I can't wait for when the year-end reports come out for GameStop. And a report that looks, again, good for like a 5 to $6 company comes out. And it's trading at 500 because these are idiots. <laughs> And yeah. they lose their shirt over this. Because point? <laughs> I, I don't care who, like, if you're a, a major investment corporation, if you're invested in GameStop at all, when that report comes out, you cut your, you sell everything. I think at let this these, point I own no GameStop. Yeah. Let these day traders drive themselves to bankruptcy. So, so I didn't do the GameStop thing. So I actually had AMC stock from a while ago because I thought it was going to go up just naturally when theaters reopened. Uh, so when AMC hit 19 a share, I just sold everything I owned because I was like, there's no way in hell it's ever hit that ever again. Yeah. Because I, I owned it naturally. So like, oh, so it was, it was trading at four when I bought it. I was like, oh, 
I think AMC is going to hit six or seven when theaters open back up. It's a good return on investment. It hit 19. I was like, bye. Have a good day. Yeah. Like, I think you and I are smart about, like, we have foresight when it comes it, to this. At least for record, every stock you buy and sell is a risk, yada, yada. But I was willing to take an educated bet that AMC wouldn't stay at four when theaters open. I just didn't think it would hit 19. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing all this, it's like, okay. Like, I can't. Okay, you had your fun with trying to drive Melvin into bankruptcy. Whatever. That didn't happen. And now you're just going to hold. You're going to hold until that share is pennies. <laughs> yeah. Because you're, you know, you're the, uh, you're the, the crackhead that buys a lotto ticket every other day because it's going to hit. It's going to hit. You know, you're that person. Like, if you're listening to this, and obviously I'm not a financial advisor, but, you know, I am a realist. If you're listening to this and you're one of these hold idiots, mm-hmm. just get rid of it. Like, you know, you probably made some money unless you bought when it was 400 to hop on the bandwagon. You you probably made some money. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Get ready to pay the IRS basically all of the money that you made. And, you know, just move on with your life. Because... GameStop stock is going to be delisted. Mm-hmm. I say within the next three years. Mm. Because I don't see how, no matter what this Chewy guy does, like, if he wants to be the Amazon of games, that already exists. It's called Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, there's no future for GameStop. Mm-hmm. Which is the sad, like it's the sad reality because you know, I grew up going to GameStop, buying all my games from GameStop, like you know this this company is going to die soon. So get out of it while you can. It's not going to hit a hundred thousand. It's not you know the AI that said oh it can go to thirty million. No, it won't. The AI that said it would go to 130,000, it won't. That'd be like a third of the US GDP is tied up in GameStop. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. This stock will level out at maybe 7 to $8 until it gets delisted. So get out of it while you can because, you know. Run for the wins. At least, at least you've made money. Like, like these people that are mortgaging houses and, you know, not paying their rent to buy GameStop stock. Like, now if only the stimmy money came when this all started. Can you actually imagine though, if the fourteen hundred stimulus money came right before this happened, and a bunch of people put their oh, new fourteen hundred dollars? A lot of people did. <laughs> like, I heard a lot of people were doing that. Okay, for the record, if I actually paid Dungeon of Wall Street bets and I and I listened to them. I would have dropped some decent money to them because, like, like, what's the worst that happens? <laughs> like, can you imagine if you actually, like, if one of us caught it, like, back when it was, like, 10 a share and just dropped in, like, a couple thousand? I mean, if if that was the case, I'd be living in Wyoming right now on a ranch. <laughs> like, 
You these should be the ca- you know what's gonna be real suck for these people? So uh, when they have to when they have capital gains stock, a capital gains, and then you know the IRS rule is if you owe the IRS next year more than a hundred dollars, you're gonna pay a penalty on that suck per yeah. day. It's gonna be amazing to watch. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, okay, these these idiots on Wall Street bets aren't financial advisors. Get a goddamn tax lawyer, like, because <laughs> you're about to need one. Because, yeah, it may seem great that you can make half a million dollars by selling. But you know what part of that in taxes? Oh, more than that. Yeah, you probably get down to a third, but the point is, you're gonna owe a good chunk of it. Yeah. Minimal, you're gonna owe a lot of money to the IRS, and they're gonna want it. You're gonna owe pro. You're on a half million dollars. You're probably gonna owe over one thirty. No, yeah. capital gains rate isn't that high. But it's it's, it's capital gains, and people will not file it properly. Right. So if you file a property, you owe uh, up to. So it's your tax bracket is what you owe. Yeah. So it's up to 37%, but I bet you most of these people aren't in that tax bracket. It's probably in the 20s. Yeah, so, I mean, still, a quarter still of... a lot of money. A, a quarter yeah. of 50 is still, what, 12 and a half. So, so let's say they're single, and I'll say, we'll, we'll be honest, most of these people are in the 40,000 to 85,000 range, that's 22%. Yeah. So that's what you're looking at. So I mean, twenty twenty percent of half a million is still a hundred grand. No, an absurd amount of money. But the point, especially when you aren't accounting for it. Yeah, when all of a sudden you, when all of a sudden the IRS is like, "Hey, we're going to send you a bill for a hundred thousand dollars." You know, all that money that you just spent on Teslas and you know, stupid shit. Yeah, uh, we need a hundred grand. Oh, you don't have a hundred grand? That's cool. We're gonna, you know, leverage your wages till yeah. you do. We'll take your wages until you pay us off. And let's be real: a lot of these people, as you say, make forty to eighty, if that. It will take them years to pay this off. Mm-hmm. And there will be interest. Oh yeah. Welcome to the, the US IRS economy. Wants... <laughs> they want their money. Okay. Uh, next news. We'll just talk about this real quickly. Uh, we know now, officially, we have a next-gen VR system coming for the PSVR sometime in the next couple years. Uh, about a about an easy-use new controller. The thing that pleased to God when this thing comes out is it will be a single cord that plugs into your PS5 and not the nonsense that is the current setup for a PS5 for a PSVR. Well, and it sounds like they might be going towards, like, knuckle controllers. Yeah, like, so the other thing is, they said there'll be a new controller, which would be nicer than the move ones. Um, I was hoping this would be a wireless device, honestly, compared to a wired device. Uh, but I understand I mean, that's hard. The, the problem is a wireless VR setup is only good for about half an hour. Yeah, no, that's fair. So, you know, that's it, a valid critique. It, it severely limits what you can do. That is valid. Um, last news story is, it's a trailer. I dropped nothing. Uh, big thing is, we know the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is officially coming out this year in May, I believe. 
uh, May 14th. Uh, it's all three games for PS4, Xbox One, works backwards, compatible with the next gen, uh, no multiplayer, and then all but one of the DLCs, because they actually lost the code for one of the DLCs from Mass Effect 1. Yeah. Meh. Or if you're on PC, you pay $100 for a year of uh, Origin, and you get all that stuff. And you get them also. You don't get the this stuff. Well, it's already got the enhanced editions on there. Because they read all the graphics. There's already enhanced editions. No, no, this is a whole new... There'll be... No, they've announced that it's going to be the enhanced editions. Because they just do that. They'll upgrade, like... um, Like, it upgrades you to the $100 tier of the game, right? Like, so for Madden, for FIFA, for anything, like anything EA recently it gives you the ultimate edition whatever and it's going to be the enhanced Mass Effect like the uh, the Need for Speed remake um, was it the they just released it like Hot Pursuit or something like that um, that it's not a new game on Origin it's just it's the remaster in your library. You don't have the original. It's just the remaster one. So. It's nice. It keeps the clutter in your library down. Does it? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, so last stuff. Games of the next couple of months. Uh, this is kind of the big stuff to talk about. Kind of the next really season at this point, because it's still, it's still spring and it's games. So It Takes Two comes out March 26th. Uh, since we last talked, Returnal has been delayed to April 30th. As I said a minute ago, Mass Effect uh, Legend Edition will come out on May 14th. And then Death Loop will come out on May 21st. KJ, this time for a discussion. We have discussed Movie Club is returning this month. With an exciting addition. Uh, e Old Justice League. Not E Old Justice League, it's Zack Snyder's Justice League. Don't watch regular Justice League. We're watching Jack Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I say we, we do what I texted you. And you want to do what exactly? A watch along companion episode. Okay. So instead of when breaking do... down BVS and Justice League. Because that would okay. probably have to be a two-part anyway, because Justice League is just, it's four hours. Right. So, what we'll do, what I'm proposing, is two... It comes up. Do two two-hour episodes of a watch-along. Okay. So. And then I assume at the end of the second one is where you kind of sit down and kind of talk about stuff, but yeah. Um, so it comes out 18th, but I think it's like super late night. So basically it comes out the 19th, which is a Friday. Yeah, so we'll probably record that, that weekend. That weekend. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I figure that way, right, then it cuts down on the time too. Like, because mm-hmm. we're going to have to watch a four hour movie either way. <laughs> Now 
we're watching a four-hour movie and also recording our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a difficult one because I don't know how we're gonna do like. There is yeah, because the all the third-party apps don't know if they work with HBO Max. What do you mean? Uh, there's some third-party apps for watch-long stuff because like Amazon has one, but like I don't know if there are. Any oh, like HBO. that. Um, there's got to be something because I've seen like, um, for some reason I still follow a bunch of them on Twitter. Some of the Rooster Teeth people mm-hmm. talking about HBO watch-alongs. So there must be some okay. some way to do that. Mm-hmm. Although it's probably just like, hey, we're starting it in three, two, mm-hmm. one, go. Like how it used to be. Um, but more of recording wise, like, you know, I'm going to have to get fancy and output your audio to discord. Oh, I'm gonna have to fire up voice meter again. Oh God. So what we're going to have to do is, are we going to do it where, cause I said we can't record that audio. So it's just going to be, you have to record just us, but we're going to try to have to find a way to listen to it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're going to have to do... We have to probably do a test run, as my guess, beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll just be voice meter. It'll be, you know, uh, OBS recording. I'll have Discord so... output to, like, one of the voice meter outputs, and then... I was going to say, that's pretty easy. You just, you just have... You channel a me channel on a Justice channel, relatively speaking. You don't even need the Justice channel just to separate the audio. Yeah. Yeah, I could do... I could record it as a new a new thing, but... And then it could be muted, obviously, but the whole point is that's why I'm on a separate channel. I could also just do it on my end, and we, dish, and we just only record the mic audio. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll figure it out, but. Okay. So that will be movie club-ish. Will be us doing a commentary of Justice League. Uh, we will obviously cue it in and out, so that way you guys can line it up. Yeah, we'll probably do, like, we'll, we'll count down into the start, and then we'll do, right. like, half-hour sync-ups. Because um, it's easy to figure it out, lose yeah. track, yeah. So. And I now have a project of figuring that shit out. <laughs> it's not hard. It's it's using it just voice meter, but it's mm-hmm. it's time consuming. Yep. Okay. Well, that is it for this actually decently long episode of the SWW show. Uh, happy thirtieth. Yeah. Does that mean we get striking back pain now? I mean, I already have back pain, so. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, remember, you can follow AJ at AJ underscore low. We'll see. Follow me at Mikey on 75. <laughs> Follow the show at the SWW Show. Remember, if you want to find the show, it's anchor.fm slash SWW. Um, is there anything else big coming up? Uh, soon we'll have a follow-up interview with the Rogue Legacy guys, some more interviews, and F1 show is back soon, right? Yeah. Uh, it'll be in March. Okay. Yeah, sometime this month then. Oh. Mm-hmm. We'll have the first one out talking about the upcoming season. I assume big changes, all of that fun nonsense. Oh, there are zero changes. No, I take okay. that back. There's three changes. 
Well, we'll talk about it then. AJ, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Go make yourself some din-din. And I think that's all. Goodbye. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Moni. You can follow AJ at Boar. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.